0: Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. So as you can tell, I am not David Sheffield. Um, He is much better looking than I am. And I know some of you came this morning expecting to hear him preach, and I know that he uh, he was prepared and he really wanted to deliver this word today, but things kind of happen sometimes and you just can't help it, and uh, you kind of adapt in that, but I know that God's still going to uh, bless us today. And, uh, so if I'm more unprepared than usual, just forgive me and bear with me on that. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time, but I, I think, uh, God can still do some, some mighty things. I, I've learned in my life of how much, uh, we see God more clearly, uh, in the times where, where I'm inefficient. And, you know, I, I'm inefficient a lot. So you can ask my wife on that one. And, and so God shows himself in my life a lot in that way. Uh, Today, you know, I, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And if you have your Bible, turn to the 2nd Kings chapter 6. And I'm going to start somewhere around verse 8. And, and this is one of my favorite stories. And I really, I've been wanting to preach on this for a little bit, but uh, I think it's going to be uh, something that blesses us here today. You know, sometimes in our lives, and I've said this before, we, we can easily confuse, you know, the presence of God in our lives with the absence of problems. Sometimes in our lives, we confuse God's goodness with how well our life is going. With with the fact that I don't have any issues right now. God must love me. God must like me. I, I must be good with God. And I think, you know, here in chapter 6, there's this illustration of what happens kind of in those moments where, you know, in our lives we must make a decision. And, and you either make that decision with faith or fear. And I think that's a lot of times the way we approach things, right? We either make decisions with faith or we make decisions out of fear. And so 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, and it says this, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place Because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Yeah, Some of you need to come... Uh, To the realization that, you know, even this morning, just by showing up, you've made the enemy mad this morning. You have. You've made the enemy mad this morning. He's set so many traps for you this week. He's, uh, you know... He had so many opportunities this week and he was hoping he could make you tired and bitter. He was hoping he could bring you to a place of enviousness of others. Uh, He was hoping he could just worry you to death. He was hoping he could bring fear and anxiety into your life. And he's tried to keep you hopeless in depression all this week so that you wouldn't show up this morning. And, you know... He couldn't get some of you crazy enough, so he started working on your kids, thinking that if he got some of your family involved, that that would make you crazy, that that would drive you into fear and anxiety, that that would make you lose your hope in God. You have had people in your life that you've probably counted on, and they've, they've walked out on you. We've had things happen this week. We've had things happen in the last year. We've had a lot of things going on in our life, but after all that, here you are. Here you are, and the Bible says it enrages the enemy of Israel because no matter what they did, whatever they tried to do to the king, every time they tried to bring him down, God had someone on the inside to warn them about it. And this makes the enemy mad and confused and nervous. See, every one of you this morning as you're praising God, like we have been, some of you just by being here today, you're causing all kinds of confusions in hell today. You are. You are. See, it's not just the angels that watch us. It's also the demons that take a look at our lives as well. Especially those who've been trying to wreak havoc in your mind all week. And they were certain by now you'd be tired. Surely, after all you've been through, right, you would just pack it in and sleep in and miss church this morning. But here you are in the presence of God and it confuses the enemy. It confuses the enemy when he throws everything he's got at Christians and they still show up at the altar with their hands raised praising their God. See, the king of Aram, he was mad because everywhere he chose to attack God's people, there was, uh, he's not a spy, right? He's a prophet. Elisha's a prophet. And Elijah, he had this ability to see things. Some of you think Siri's scary. You know, sometimes it freaks me out when I'm walking around my house singing a song and I ask Alexa to play it, the band, and and the very song I was singing begins to play. And then if I'm talking about something in conversation, all of a sudden it starts picking, coming up on my phone. It kind of freaks me out a little bit, like Siri and Alexa are having conversations and they're in cahoots with Google, and I don't really know what to do with that. You know, and it's like they're listening to me. But Elisha had the ability to see things. And this is interesting, right? See, the Scripture, it says the Spirit of God and Elijah would give him like a location where the enemy was going to attack God's people. And when they would call together all the high-ranking officials to find out who was the one, who's the one spoiling the ambushes, the plan, the response comes in verse 12, and it says this, None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So everywhere Israel would travel, God would send a word through Elisha and tell them where they needed to go. In verse 10, it says where they needed to be on their guard in such places. See, I think some of us today, we need to see things with our spirit we need to see things with the eye of our spirit. Things that your senses can't always detect. See, this is important. Because we don't recognize sometimes where the enemy is attacking us most frequently. We don't always recognize where the enemy is attacking us most frequently. And I think some of, it, some of you you need to ask for insight into the places of your greatest vulnerability. And I think sometimes we spend all our energy, a lot of our lives fighting battles that we could have avoided if we just would have learned lessons that God has showed us in our past. Sometimes we spend a lot of time fighting battles that we could have avoided if we just would have learned the lesson that God was showing us last year, last week, last month. See, it's this thing that we need to learn to do that Paul calls an open eye in his heart. See, Paul's saying, saying, There's a kind of sight that doesn't revolve around external stimuli like your feelings. There's a type of sight that God can give you that isn't always affected by how you feel or what you see. And this is the type of eye I think we need to have. We need to look at the world through the eye of our heart. And it's more based on internal processing. See, we need self awareness in our lives, we need self awareness in our lives. There's a theological term called progressive revelation. It means that God never changes, but our understanding of Him can unfold over time. This is exactly what happens in our lives. We come to see God in different ways, right? We come to see God in different ways as we experience different things. This is exactly how the Bible is constructed. Themes we see in Genesis, they're mirrored in Revelation, but now you have a better picture of what's going on. When you get to Revelation, you should have better understanding of what's being mirrored from the things you've read in Genesis because you have the whole story at your disposal. See, in the Old Testament, you see kind of types and shadows of Jesus, but they're pointing to something that's not clearly seen yet. I think life is in a lot of ways like that. Many of us in this season of life, we saw things earlier in our lives that were only seen like a shadow previously. There are things you're seeing right now in your life that aren't clear that God will reveal clearly on the other side of it. So we need to have this type of heart, this type of eye of our heart that doesn't always get blown around by our feelings and the wind and the changing things that happen in our lives, the way life can throw us a curveball like me having to preach this morning. And so we want to understand progressive revelation. And it means that God, I think, wants to show you something about himself. Maybe even something about you that will cause you to be able to avoid unnecessary battles. Something I've called unnecessary kind of roughness. It's a football term, right? Sometimes we put ourselves through unnecessary roughness in our lives because we don't learn the lessons that God's been showing us. See, some of the battles you've been fighting, it's it's because you're in places you never should have been. Some of the battles you've been fighting in your life, even today, are because you've been in places you never should have been in the first place. There's certain places you need to stay away from. Because if you go there and then you ask God to protect you in those places, it doesn't work like that. There are some of you who don't need to go to Facebook. There are some of you who don't need to go to Instagram. There are some of you who don't need to turn on Fox News. There are places in our lives we don't need to go. We have to be very careful about where we go, and I'm not talking about just physically. I mean mentally. There are places we need to be careful about where we're going, and I think it kind of it's possible that God's trying to warn us about certain places. That every time we go there, we start feeling judgmental. That every time you go there, you start comparing your life with others. That every time you go there, you start getting into fits of anger and rage. That every time you go there, lust springs up in your life. Or maybe you start feeling your life is less than. There are certain places in your life God's trying to warn you, you need to be careful about going. There are certain places that bring you to vulnerability. And you need to ask this question. Do you know where you're most vulnerable? Do you know the places in your life where you're most vulnerable? There are certain places where the enemy, he wants to attack, but he couldn't because see, the king had someone on the inside. There were places that the king of Aram wanted to attack Israel, but he couldn't because God had put someone on the inside. Wouldn't it be nice if we had someone like Elisha, who was on the inside, feeding us info, saying, hey, don't go there. What if we didn't have to go through life all by ourselves? What if someone would have made it? How cool would it have been if when Jesus went to heaven, that instead of just leaving us here, He sent His Spirit down into the world To indwell with the lives of those who believe in Him. To help guide us and help shape us and be on the inside to give us insight in the places we should go and shouldn't go. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had someone like the Spirit of Truth in our life? If we had someone like the Spirit of God in our life telling us don't go there. Don't do that. Hey, don't answer that call. Don't answer that text. Don't reply to that. You need to cut off that conversation. Don't Do that. Wouldn't it be great if we had the Spirit of God inside of us on the inside who had more information than we did? Matter of fact, he had more information than the enemy did. He knows you better than the enemy. Wouldn't it be great if we had someone on the inside? It's a beautiful thing that God will show you where you need to be on guard if you give him the opportunity. Matter of fact, God will even show you. He'll he'll get specific. He'll show you what days of the week you're more susceptible than others. And you don't, some of you didn't say a word on that. You don't believe in God? You don't think that God's inside your life today? Of course he can. God can show you down to the day where you're more vulnerable for attack. And I think that do you, sometimes we act like we don't believe that the one that created us can show us things about ourselves. Like the one that made you. The one that literally has the blueprint of who you are. Like He knows how to counsel you. Sometimes we act like He doesn't. Yet all the times we go into states of discouragement. And then we try to pray our way out of them. But you were discouraged because a lot of times you put yourself in a place you never should have been in the first place. You're discouraged because... You were entering into things you never should have been playing with. You were playing a game you never should have been playing. You know, there's, there's this uh, cliche kind of saying we have around New Year's every year. Where, you know, new year, new you. And, and the thing is, I mean, it sounds nice, right? It sounds right, but it just doesn't work. See, what, what you really need is you really need to be like in Romans 12. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, it means you have to do things differently a long time. You have to do things differently so that the pathways you've created in sin can be undone. The things that's been causing you to do things wrongly, that are antithetical to what Jesus wants you to do and how He wants you to live. The things you sometimes you know you shouldn't do, you don't even want to do. How often we're led into pornography and substance abuse. How often we're led into gossip and judgment of others. And we know we shouldn't be doing these things. And what we need, it isn't new year, new you. It's new year. You need a new transformed mind. But that doesn't sound too right. That didn't sound good. That didn't preach as well. It's not a new year, new you. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'll tell you, you know, there are people in here who. I could read a list of things, and and you'll still sit there in your mind, and you'll go, well, well, thank goodness, Pastor, I suffer from none of those things. I've been working with God a long time and walking with God each and every day, and I don't suffer from any of those things. I'm good. I'm right with God. My life is great. Everything's going awesome. You know, except for that self-righteousness problem that you're showing everybody you have right at this moment. We do this all the time. We act like just because our life is going well that God can show us nothing. But there's nothing in our lives that God can reveal to you. There's nothing in your life that God might want to change in those moments. We need to have a different eyesight, a different way of viewing our lives. We need to be seeing things with our heart, not just with our eyes, and with our feelings. And I think saying that we don't need anything from God this year in any season of our life is dangerous. We need a new year, new you. No, we need a new year. We need to transform mind and heart. We need a new life We probably need a new Savior, a new God. We need to put our faith back in Christ and not in the world. And this is what we need. And the fact of the matter is for God to do something in your life, you have to save your energy for the things that matter. That means you have to listen to the Spirit of God so He can tell you what to do and what not to do. You will start thinking some things in your mind and the Spirit of the Lord will tell you you can't afford to play with that. You can't afford to go down that road. You can't play around with the enemy and then ask God to deliver you from the very enemy you've been playing with. It doesn't work that way. You can't walk yourself into the middle of the fire and then expect God to give you some sort of fireproof insurance. You've got to quit playing with fire if you don't want to get burned. Because I can guarantee you the God we serve is giving you plenty of roadblocks before you ever walk into the flame. We have to be careful where we're going, what we're watching, what we're listening to. We need to keep ourselves out of the places that God's warning us we're vulnerable for attack. There's some places you can't afford to go in your life. There's some places your soul can't afford for you to go. There's some places your joy can't afford for you to go. There's some places your peace can't afford for you to go this year. See, we got someone on the inside. And He can show us where the attack is coming. And I think some battles that you've been fighting, even today, they can help you if you begin to learn the lessons that God wants to show you. They can can help you avoid the next ones. We have to learn the lessons that God's trying to show you. See, we aren't fighting these battles by swinging a lot of times, right? We're fighting them by staying away from places that God's told us and warned us about. You're not always fighting these battles with memory verses and fists. Theology, you're fighting them with just being obedient to what God has given you in your life. We need to be mindful of the places God's warned us about and see God, He's not going to strengthen you for battles He didn't call you to fight. If you don't believe me, read the Bible about Israel, about walking into battles that God never called them to go fight and see what happens. God's not going to strengthen you for a battle. He didn't call you to fight. Let go in your life of the need to prove things to people. It's a battle God hasn't called you to fight. You need to let go of trying to make up for the things that you've done in your past. It's a battle God hasn't called you to fight. It's over. It's done. The old is gone. The new has come. We have to ask the Spirit of God what areas to avoid. See, God gave Elisha info on how to navigate difficult situations. Is God trying to give you information even now on how to navigate your spiritual battles? I think God's trying to give some of you information on how to navigate the battles you're in right now. But we keep going to old places. See, they wanted to kill him for this. He was a problem for the enemy of God. It says it enraged the king of Aram are you a problem for the enemy today? Are you a problem for the enemy today? How how do you know if you're a problem for the enemy? And I think, you know, some of you, if nothing ever goes wrong in your life, if you've never burnt the toast and it's made you late, if everything in your life is orderly, nice and neat, and you never face any kinds of, you know, struggle, any kinds of restrictions in your life any any if you wake up every day and your life never gets turned upside down and what you thought the day was going to look like you may not be a threat at all to the enemy just kind of using a basketball kind of picture i don't guard the guy who only averages a minute a game has never made a basket all season i guard the guy averaging a triple double that's who i double team that's the guy i'm focusing my my defense around If you're not a threat to the enemy, maybe that's the reason your life goes so well every and every day. The enemy comes after those that's a real threat to his plan. See, we often perceive the presence of God, his proven presence in our lives as the absence of problems. And I think that's wrong. Because see, when Elisha when he was given a word from the Lord to prevent the attack from the king, look at what it says he did in 2 Kings verse 13. It says, go find where he is. The king immediately went after him. See, in the moment you begin to fulfill the purpose you were created for, the enemy's going to dispatch some special forces after you. The moment you begin to live in God's purpose for your life, the enemy's going to come after you. See, some of you You've had things happen to you in your life. And you've, you've even been questioning whether God even loves you or not. And I suggest that some of your problems, sometimes our problems, are because you're a problem for the darkness. I think that's true. I think for some of you, some of the problems you face on a daily basis is because you're a problem for the darkness with the light that God's put inside of you. You confuse the enemy. You scare the enemy. And see, I think the way that we begin to prove this is whether God is with you or not. It's not if nothing bad ever happens. You've heard the saying, the proof is in the pudding. I think sometimes the proof is in the problem. I think sometimes the proof is in the size of the problem. See, how do I know if God's using me? I think sometimes the size of your calling can be measured by the size of the problems you face. Sometimes when God puts big things inside of you that He wants you to fulfill, that He wants to do through you, the enemy throws big problems to try to thwart you off the path. I think sometimes the size of your problem should indicate the size of the purpose God's placing in your life. And I think we miss that sometimes. I think some of you have a great purpose and a great great calling in your life. How do I know if God's using me? How do I know if he has plans for me? How do I know if he's put a calling in my life? And I think sometimes the size of that calling can be measured by the size of that problem. The enemy doesn't want to mess with what's not a threat. He comes after those who are a threat to his plan. And when Elisha starts telling the king who to look for, where to go, where not to go, the king of Aram said, you got to find him. He's a problem. And the enemy, I think for some of you, has been sending special forces into your life to stop you because you're living in God's purpose because you're on the verge of breaking generational curses I think some of you are on the verge of reorienting a whole family line back to God that scares the enemy you're a problem for the darkness and he says in verse 13 he said go find out where he is the king ordered So I can send men and capture him. The report came back that he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And in verse 15 it says this. When the servant of man, of the man of God, he got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. See the servant, he got up. And he saw something and he didn't know how to handle it. How many of you have something in your life you've seen right now that you don't know how to handle? There's things in our life I think we're looking at right now and we don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do. We don't see a way out. So he's looking around and he says, Oh my Lord, what shall we do? Now Elisha was the prophet that would tell the king where the enemy was going to, be, going to attack him. And So I have a big question. If he knew where the king was going to be attacked, how is Elisha being attacked? Why did he get attacked? If you have the ability to know where others will be attacked, how can you not see when you're going to be attacked? See, it's easier to give people advice about their marriage, isn't it? Sometimes it's easier to talk about how dysfunctional other people's family is and how rowdy other people's kids are. But goodness gracious, when it comes to our own mess, all of a sudden our mouths shut up. It's easier to see someone else's damage and brokenness sometimes than it is to see our our own. That's why God says, hey, listen, before you go handling planks and other specks in other people's eyes, you might want to yank the two by four out of your own because I don't know if you noticed, but the sawdust and the plank are made out of the same material. And before you can start fixing things in other people's lives, you might want to allow me to fix all the brokenness in yours. But we do this so often, it's easy to see the brokenness in other people's lives. That servant said, What shall we do? And watch what Elisha says. He says, Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Don't be afraid. What do you mean? There's chariots and horses. This is literally the Syrian soldiers. trained Syrian soldiers surrounding your city. Don't be afraid. But Elisha says, don't worry about it. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. See, he don't just mean in number. He means in might. He means in power. The ones who are with us are greater than the ones who are with them. See, in verse 17, it says, And Elisha prayed. O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. See, I bet the servant was thinking, as Elisha said, let us pray, that what was going to happen, he was going to close his eyes for this prayer. And the moment he opened them, God was going to do something magic. And all the army that was surrounding them was going to be disappeared. I'm pretty sure that's probably what he thought. But when he opened his eyes, after Elijah was done praying, he saw the same army. That he saw when the prayer began. But in verse 18, it says this As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike them with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Now, how could Elisha, a powerful man of God, pray and the enemy still come toward him? How could Elisha, the prophet of God, be praying but the attack? Still is coming. I think the proof of God's presence is not in the absence of the problem. But I think the proof of God's presence. is also not in the problem just disappearing by the way. I think sometimes the proof of God's presence. Is in that he kept you surrounded and the enemy came anyway but he couldn't kill you. The enemy came anyway. And you're still here this morning. The enemy's been trying to kill you since you came out the womb, and you're still here. And Elijah says, the enemies come, but the ones that are with us are more than the ones that are with them. They've come against you, but greater is the one who is in you than the one who's in the world. Amen to that? The enemy's going to come come after you. He's going to dispatch some special forces to come get you when you're living in God's purpose. But you better live in the, per, the promise that greater is the one that's within you. You got somebody on the inside. And let me remind you, the one on the inside isn't no chump. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the one who called me out the tomb. Every miracle, every time I broke bread and multiplied it with fish, every time I raised someone off a mat and said walk, every time someone stopped breathing and I said, bring some breath back into their lungs, get up and live, I did it by the power of the Spirit that I'm going to let indwell you in your life. You're living with resurrecting power in your life. You're not just living with anyone on the inside. You're living with the presence of God on the inside. The proof sometimes is in the problem. And I think being a problem for the enemy sometimes makes you a target. And you, some of you, you may be right now finding that out for the first time that serving God sometimes puts you in the crosshairs. And I think sometimes we should have a really great time praising God, especially today. Not because of the absence of problems in our life, but because of the presence of God in our lives. Because the enemy came, he continued to attack, but he couldn't kill you unless God willed it. He can't touch you unless God allows it. And you're still here. I want to close with this. For most of you, you're going to open your eyes tomorrow and the problems you've had today are still going to be there. But here's the thing. I think the bigger the problem the greater opportunity you have for the presence of God to show itself in your life. There's there's power in the struggle. There's strength in the struggle. I said last week at, at Easter, no struggle, no triumph. If you don't have any tribulation, there's no triumph. You don't have any strength without the struggle. There's things God shows us in the struggle that He can't show us outside of it. It's a greater opportunity in the midst of the problem sometimes for God to show his presence in the enemy. He's done everything he can to trick some of you, to put some of you down. He's put a target on you, yet you still are here praising God today. You know, and and I'll end with this. Maybe, Maybe today you should stop telling God how big your problem is and start telling the problem how big your God is. Maybe today is the day you start changing your perspective that your problem's not that big compared to the God you serve. Your problems aren't that big compared to the one that he put inside of you. He's the one that overcomes death. I pray that when we leave here today, that we can begin to see with the eye of our heart, as Paul says it, not just with our feelings and our emotions. That you can begin to see your problems differently. Because I do believe that some of you have yet to see the purpose and the calling God's placed in your life. And I think that some of you have looked at your life and you've said, my life is always upside down. Nothing ever goes right. And I think it's because you've got the enemy scared. And I think on the other side of this problem, you're going to see clearly the purpose God's placed inside of you. Keep pushing. Keep pushing forward. Have faith, not in the outcome, but in the goodness of your God. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, I thank you so much just for that reality. That you are the God, Lord, that you can overcome the things, Lord, that we can't even see clearly. That you give us warning before we even step into the mess that we sometimes step into. Not only that, God... You you knew the cross was coming before you even spoke us into existence. You already gave us a doorway to walk out of our problems before we even walked in them. God, we thank you for that. God, I thank you so much for your son. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you have given us your spirit to walk hand in hand in our daily lives. Lord, allow us to trust in that even when life is so turned upside down that it's hard to see and feel it. Lord, even when the enemy's in our ear telling us lies about how you've forsaken us, how you've left us, Lord, we know that isn't true. We know that you are with us in those times, God, and we, we want to live in that purpose. We want to live in that calling. God, allow us to do that. Allow us to live in the strength that you've placed inside of us. Allow us to see the light that each and every one of us carry Even when the darkness surrounds us, allow us to trust in the fact that it can't kill us. It can't stomp out our fire with you on our side. There is nothing greater than you. And Lord, we thank you for that. God, we love you. We praise you. Let us carry this into the world and love people as you've called us to do. We ask all this in your name. Amen.